Welcome back to the Crash the Pond podcast. It's a Monday, February 20th edition of the podcast and a happy President's Day or as it's called in some states, Washington's birthday day. Huh? Did you know that, Jake? That it's I actually did... President's Day, the name changes depending on what state you live in? Did not, but not really shocked. I mean, states, certain states do certain things differently. So there you go. As we all know from, I think, the Ducks playing on this day, there's a Las Vegas, or sorry, a Nevada day that is celebrated. And so there's random 1 p.m. starts in Vegas. That's right, yeah. So at the federal level, it's called President's Day, but then I guess there's a President's Day federal holiday and a President's Day state holiday. But for most people, a lot of people don't get the day off at all. I did. (laughs) For others, there's no benefit to this being a a two-time holiday. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Who's your favorite president of all time? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just throwing you a grenade and seeing how you handle it. Yeah, I don't know. Haven't the, thought that through too the much. The great thing about this holiday is. is that it's... it's. I can majority... tell you who's my least favorite. <sighs> Careful. Yeah. Care- just please don't, don't get us in trouble. Nope, not going there. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The great thing about this holiday is that it seems like... In most states, it's celebrating either George Washington alone or George Washington, Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. And I think everybody agrees those were pretty solid presidents overall. Yep. Yep. So shout out to those guys for giving us a day off. <laughs> yeah. Sh- shout out to them for a day off. Yeah. All they had to do was, you know, a couple wars. Yeah. S- some different things. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's enough for that. On this episode, we're going to discuss the trade deadline because the trade deadline is fast approaching. And I think that one difficulty when you're a fan of a team or even just as someone who's covering a team is that you kind of go into it maybe not fully prepared for what you're going to see. And so you see these trades fly in on deadline day or in the weeks leading up to it. And you're kind of shocked by some of the returns that players get. So the goal of today is to go player by player that's available for the Ducks at this deadline, presumably available, and try to figure out what these guys can get the Ducks. And at the end of it, we'll tally up exactly what the how much the Ducks could come away with if they trade everybody. So should be interesting. I mean, we've yeah. already we've already seen some blockbuster trades. Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah. I would consider that blockbuster to, yeah, to the Toronto Maple Leafs. 100% a blockbuster deal. And, and just so everyone knows, uh, this topic we're doing just because it's way more relevant to talking about the games. I mean, to briefly talk about it, Ducks lost all three games over the past week to Buffalo, LA, Florida. Ducks uh, are in last place. Picked up one point, are in last point or last place in the NHL. So for any of you that are on board the uh, Tank for Bedard wagon, uh, it's full steam ahead for that train. Yeah. Yeah, the Ducks are playing poorly. They gave yeah. up 50 plus shots today. Yeah. Did you see the stat I put out? No. So the Ducks have today was the fifth time this season they've given up 50 plus. And guess how many times they've given up 40 plus shots this season? How many games? <sighs> Shit. How many games have they played now? They've played 47, oh, about 49, something like that. Uh... Klingberg's missed a few and he's played 47. So. Let's, 50, we'll call it 50-ish. Let's go with 23. 30. Wow. <laughs> uh, they've played 57 games. Okay. So in more than half of their games, <laughs> they're giving up 40-plus shots. Yeah. Seems bad. Yeah, not great. 
<laughs> seems seems pretty pretty awful. But... Not great at all. <laughs> There's just something about that stat that's just that just makes me laugh. Like I can't even I can't even really dig into it because it's just it's just so silly. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so anything else before we get into these these potential trades here? Any anything else that's that's gotten your your gears turning or um... any bones to pick? You, you you you've started us off with a bone to pick in recent weeks. I, so. Have I? Um, you have. I don't know. I mean, I guess the only bone to pick, and it's not really a bone to pick, but is we kind of said a couple weeks ago when people were thinking that uh, if you were pro tank, that oh no, what's going to happen? And the Ducks are winning games and so on and so forth. And kind of you and I both looked at it and we're like, yeah, they're no. kind of just winning games a little bit through smoke and mirrors right now. And the upcoming schedule looked rough and. I mean, the Ducks lost last week seven to three to the Sabers, six to three to the Kings, and they lost in overtime in a game that they probably should have lost by a similar scoreline today, um, if it wasn't for John Gibson having an absolutely outstanding performance. And so, I mean, there's not a lot to say. This is a bad team. Um, for there's various different reasons why they're bad. We've gone into it at length at various different points in time this season. And so, there's not really much more to say about that outside of. The Ducks are in good shape to get uh, Connor Bedard. Or, and this is the one thing that I think is important to to focus on. We haven't talked about this too much, right? Because we haven't focused too much on the drafts. We've kind of really been going game to game, week to week, everything like that. But when it comes to this draft, the top three in this draft are kind of locked in at this point. It's Bedard, Fantilli, Carlson. Whether Fantilli's two or Carlson is two is up to personal preference in some ways. And all three of those guys, by all accounts, are pretty much first overall picks in any other draft. If Connor Bedard was not in the uh, in the draft, both those guys would be in conversation for first overall. Um, and whether it was last year, the year before that, everything like that. And so by finishing last overall, not only are you giving yourself the best chance at getting Connor Bedard, what you're doing is you're guaranteeing yourself one of those three players. And I think that that's one of the most important things with this um, from that perspective. Yeah, exactly. That, that finishing last locks you into the top three. Yeah. Because yep. even if you finish last, you, the odds are you actually don't get the first overall pick. So, yeah. Something yeah. to keep in so, mind. I'll, I'll pull it up really quickly, but if you do end up finishing last in the NHL, so the Ducks currently have a 25.5% chance of getting first overall, 18.8% chance of getting second overall, and this is if the season ended today, and then a 55.7% chance of getting third overall. So over 50% chance of third overall, if that's the case. The benefit of that is that you, those three players are all top first overall type talents. They're all NHL superstar type players, pretty much. It is where things are projecting, and things aren't perfect. That may not happen for all three, every single one of them, but that's where things are trending. Yep, and this is completely unrelated, but I just saw a tweet about the Stadium Series game this weekend. I don't know if you watched that at all or not. I Probably did. not. I saw some pictures of it, but not. But too there much. was a there was an, an alumni game beforehand and Patrick Eves was skating in that game. And it's just really funny because he's got the big beard and the, the Hurricanes jersey, but he's he's got ducks, pants, and helmet on. So when did Patrick Eves play for the Hurricanes? I don't know. I don't think I can answer. Oh, I think he got drafted by them, no? Now I'm now I'm trying to look this I up. Think he may what? have been drafted by them. No, he was drafted in Ottawa. So he played for Carolina from 07-08 yeah. until 08-09. So he, ran, he, so he went there after the cup run with Ottawa. He was traded yeah. there, it looks like. Wow. Yeah. I, like, 
Ottawa, sure. Detroit, I'd remember. I forgot Dallas, about Ottawa, I'd remember. I'd forget Nashville. He played five games in Nashville, I guess. <laughs> and, and so Dallas, Detroit, Ottawa, like, come to mind. Carolina had no clue. Well, I guess, uh, let's see, what is it, 37 games gets you an invite to the alumni game? No, he played more. He played 11 games in 07, 08, and 74 games in 08, 09. Oh, 74. Sorry, I was looking at something else. Okay. Well, anyway, let's move on. I guess, yeah, uh, yeah 85 games gets you gets you into the alumni game. So, you know? that's pretty solid. Yeah. Well, just good to see that he's skating, that he's, that he's able yeah. to do that, because if you remember back at the end of his career, it was not looking too good mobility-wise. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Okay, let's get on to these trades. So yeah. we're, we're just going to work our way down, and I have a list here. We'll just go through it. I do want to point something out, though, before we get into the actual players. This has to do with Henry Thrund. So that's right. Last year, Jack McBain, college free agent, his signing rights got a second-round pick. Um he was a third round pick. So this wasn't like some kind of top flight prospect necessarily, but I do find it interesting that that, that he, he ended up signing with the coyotes. So maybe that was part of it. But if you can have some certainty about where the player is going to go, it seems like that can get you up to a second round pick. And so the I ducks that, do have the, do have the that, option to trade him to trade him. That, that story broke after last week's podcast. So we should briefly touch on that. That, Thank you for bringing that up. But Henry Thrun, it was announced by Lisa Delman that uh, he had informed, he, she, I guess, caught up with Pat Verbeek. He told, relayed that Henry Thrun had relayed to the Ducks organization that he was not going to be signing and was going to be exercising his CBA rights to become a free agent over summer. Um, the one thing I want to mention on this, it's not a loophole. That's something that's kind of said a bunch. This is something that is laid out in the CBA. If you have spent your four years, graduated college, um, you and you have not signed your contract, you are allowed in August to become an unrestricted free agent. Having said that, you are still, uh, you cannot sign for however much you want to. You have to sign an ELC still after that. So I think no matter what, it's going to be a two-year ELC. Um, as a result of his age, I don't quote me on that. It's something I would need to double check on, but I believe that ELC will be two years. So actually the thing that the Ducks have going for them in this situation. So first off, anyone comparing it to Justin Schultz, Completely different situations. Thing with Justin Schultz, he had continually told the Ducks that he wanted to sign, yada, 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 and then backed out on them in the last second where essentially they were left standing still, not being able to move his rights really for anything at that point in time. Henry Thrun, uh, we don't know actually how long ago he would have told the Ducks because this is now just being relayed. It could have been months ago at this point in time that he relayed that to the Ducks. But regardless, it's given Pat Verbeek enough time where he could look to move his rights and if Pat Verbeek does trade him prior to the trade deadline or trade his rights prior to the trade deadline and he signs with that team, that team can play him in a game and burn this year off his contract, essentially giving him a one-year ELC and it gives him a benefit to signing with that team. Yeah. And so if it's a team he wants to go to, it makes sense and gives him games. And if that team thinks that he and they're a playoff team and that he can help contribute, that's another thing. And so there is value to him. It's not as if just because... He said he's not going to sign with the Ducks, and they've lost all leverage in terms of signing. That's not really the case. There is something that they can get back for him if they're able to do it kind of now. If it hits summer, maybe that kind of changes. It's a very marginal thing you can get back. Um, but if things are done right, if he's willing to negotiate, if the Ducks give him permission, things like well, last that. Last year he went to Arizona, so not exactly a playoff contender. McBain, no. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it depends. And, and so uh-huh. – 
there is something of value that can be had back. And that's because Henry Thrun let the Ducks know at this point in time. And, and I think kudos to him. And this is the way, if you're going to do that, to go about it. Yeah, I don't want to get into the whole, oh, is it is it a loophole? Is it bad faith or, no. or whatever? I mean, this is something that he can do uh, under the current rules. And mm-hmm. the current rules are what they are. We're, we can't change them. So it's not nope. really worth nope. hand-wringing over. But if the Ducks can find him a destination and somewhere that that's willing to sign him or that wants to sign him that he wants to go to, because there's that part of the equation as well, then maybe the Ducks can get as high as a second-round pick. So Yeah. So something to monitor there. Yeah. I mean, the pick for that's kind of all over the place. But yeah, I, I think you're spot on as high as second, probably more so in the fourth or fifth range. Well, Jack McBain was a third round pick and yeah. he, I mean, he wasn't necessarily lighting it up his final season of college and Henry Thrun. He was a fourth round pick. He was a fourth round pick. So maybe that's where it goes down to a third round pick. Who knows? I feel like Thrun is pretty well thought of, but anyway. Regardless, so, if, if the Ducks could recoup a fourth-round pick for him, I think that that's a, a if good they return. Just, if they just get the pick back that they spent, that's, yeah. that's just no harm, no foul. Yep. Okay, let's start with the toughest one, Adam Henrique. So oh he's got he's got one more year left on his contract. He makes just underneath $6 million a year on his, on his AAV, 5.825. And he's got a 10-team no-trade list, so 10 teams that he doesn't want to go to. We don't know the specifics of that, and we also don't know when that's submitted, if that's like a rolling thing. But what can the Ducks get back for Adam Henrique? So Henrique's a tough one. <laughs> and we were kind of talking this about this before we went live. But there's not really a good comparable for Adam Henrique because a lot of times guys with term aren't necessarily dealt at the deadline, right? It's more so a time for UFAs to get de- dealt or if it's a younger guy with a lot more term or things like that, you don't typically see people in Adam Henrique's mold moved at the deadline. It's just not something you typically see. Having said that, that's not really poo-pooing on the ideal that idea that he's going to get moved. I think he still has a whole lot of value for a lot of different teams, especially if the Ducks end up retaining half of his contract for this year and next year, and you're getting Adam Henrique at 2.75 mil, with the production that he's been able to do consistently, and if he's deeper in a lineup, that really helps out. But, I mean, Henrique's put up 19 goals this year in 55 games. He had 19 goals in 58 games last year. Like, he's still putting up about 20-plus goals on a, in a regular season. I think if I was a team, I'd be pretty confident that he'd probably be able to do that again next year, putting up 33 points this year um, overall. And so kind of the one that comes to mind, because it's easy to do this comparison because it just happened, but Ryan O'Reilly... And they're completely different players. Ryan O'Reilly, I think, still has the value from the the Smythe win. If you look at his uh, Rapham charts from Evolving Hockey, he's been good all over the place. His production hasn't been there, though, over the course of this season. He only had, in St. Louis, 19 points, 12 goals, 7 assists. So Adam Henrique has been significantly more productive than Ryan O'Reilly. And so you're trying to really compare the two. And it's hard because O'Reilly has a bit of that reputation for him and he's a UFA, but at 3.75 mil Ryan O'Reilly got the uh, blues, a first, a second and a third at 3.75 mil. Um, And then an additional retention to get a fourth for the uh, Minnesota wild. And so all of that kind of being said, and then the other thing I look at is I think Ricard Raquel is an interesting trade comparison also, because you look at Ricard Raquel last year when the ducks traded him, he had, 
28 points in 51 games. And so Henrique currently has 33 points in 55 games. So Henrique's been a little bit more productive. And He's obviously older. Older, but has another year on his deal, everything like that. But if you remember, Raquel didn't sign till summer. This was not a deal that came with an extension for Ricard Raquel. Um, and, and so I, I think that maybe there's a little bit of a comparable there. And Raquel got a second round pick and Callie Klang, and there were some bodies going the other way in Zach Aston Reese. And uh, why am I spacing on the fourth person that was involved in that trade? Um, oh, Dominic Simone. There we go. Dominic, Dominic Simone. <laughs> why do I remember uh, just, that? I don't know. J- just for money, essentially to make it work. And so kind of all that being said, I, I think that the thing that Henrique has going for them for him is the extra year. And so I think that provides more value than a Ricard Raquel. I don't think he necessarily has as much value as Ryan O'Reilly as a UFA because O'Reilly has that reputation. B. Dottles S brings up their different players in terms of O'Reilly and um, Henrique, but they can play similar roles. Power play, penalty kill, faceoff man can be the second line center or third line center for a playoff team. Like the archetype somewhat similar between the two of them, right? Mm, no, I disagree. I mean, okay. Adam Henrique hasn't even been playing center for like three years. That's actually a good point. Doesn't fair. doesn't but, have this reputation whatsoever. But in terms of yeah, okay, fair. But he has been taking the face off. So if you you're looking for something sure. like that, he's someone that will add add that there. Mm-hmm. Regardless, I think all that being said, I think Adam Henrique at fifty percent retained can get you a first round pick. Yeah. I... Like, this is kind of one of those where you have to get a little creative because it's just not obvious. We don't have a, we just, these kind of deals just don't, like you said, they just don't happen at the trade deadline. And so, or I mean, if they have, they just haven't happened in the last, you know, couple of years. So I think that the Ducks can definitely get back a, a first round pick. And then from there, it really just depends who they're dealing with. Maybe they can involve some kind of third team, you know, to, to spread out that cap hit, like just happened with this O'Reilly trade. I'm not exactly sure how that would shake out, but I would just personally, based on everything you hear about teams being so strapped for, for cap space, I just, I would bet against this deal happening this season, which is Ooh. dumb because I think Adam Henrique makes so much sense for other teams. I just, I don't, I don't see it getting done. This I, I, so Vegas, I don't know if you saw this today, Vegas put Mark Stone on LTIR officially. Yeah. And so the cap hit would go down to 2.9 is what Adam and Reeks would be. I, I don't expect, I know some people will say, well, you can get a third party to come in um, to be able well, to That's retain. also hard because no one has cap space. <laughs> well, and there's never been a, there has never been a third team to come in and retain salary on an extra year. Yeah. It's yeah. only happened on UFA deals, which keep in mind, the way the cap works is it accumulates over time. And so when you're trading a guy and we're looking at these raw AAVs, that's the overall annual average value. A, like a certain amount of that at this point in time, like 60, 50 some odd games, 60 some odd games over 82 has already been added to the cap sheet for the team that they've been on. You don't transfer that entire AAV. It accumulates over time. And so that's why teams with the third party retention, it makes sense because they're only adding, sure, you look at it and they're adding what, a million and a half in terms of AAV. But in the actual money that they're adding, it's that AAV divided by 20 over 82. So it's not actually that much actual cash, actual cap, anything like that to their actual cap sheet at the end of the day. And when you're doing it like this though, and you're adding the extra year on that, that's where it changes things. And that that's where it changes things from the Ducks perspective with salary retention also, because if they're retaining through next season, that adds to the cap sheet. 
having said that, I don't think the Ducks are going to be at the cap where two and a half mil is going to make a big difference next year. And so they should do full 50% retention to maximize the return because what's more valuable this year and next year, cap space or that extra asset? Yeah. And so all that being said, Ad Enrique at 2.9, I think there's a lot of, you can do a lot worse for 2.9 mil on your cap sheet well, than Adam Henrique. Look at look at who is out there right now that we just, you know, we're kind of assuming is going to get dealt or at least has been up there. Like, you know, Brock Besser still has term left. Mm-hmm. And I know that he's much younger than Adam Henrique, but in terms of value, I think Adam Henrique's probably a better value than Brock Besser right now. Yeah. So and even it, Timo Meyer, like I think Timo Meyer provides a lot of value, but if we're looking on a per cap basis, right? What you're gonna have to sign Timo Meyer to, what you're gonna have to give up, you could make the argument that getting Adam Henrique at two and a half mil with the assets you give up is gonna be a better bet than Timo Meyer in the long term bet that you have to take there. Yeah. Timo right? Meyer's qualifying offer is ten million. <laughs> yeah, like so I, and I genuinely think like a lot of teams that are going to miss out on Timo Meyer are going to be looking at Adam Henrique. Well, that's so the I thing, think, right? I that, think that, I I think you look at the Devils, you look at the Hurricanes, you look at I think even Toronto. I think Toronto now they don't have a first round pick this year, so maybe that changes something. Well, supposedly they're not done. Yeah, and but I think not being done means I I sounds like Kyle Dubas doesn't want to move any of their prospects. So who knows? But he also said he didn't want to deal with rentals. So who knows if you can take what he said at face value. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I think there's a lot of teams out there that would be in the running for an Adam Henrique. I think a, a team like, uh, Edmonton could be on him Vegas. Like I look at any team that's really in the hunt to win a cup. And I think Adam Henrique's a great fit. Yeah. A lot of the players that are on this trade list for Frank Cervalli, there, there's a lot of players that do have term. So I do find it interesting, though, that despite that, Adam Henrique's name is not on this list of 45. No. So. And it's interesting because there's his name is thrown out there by people. Well, by by people or person? Fair. <laughs> that person knows him, though. Yeah. That person's also been wrong and, a couple times. And, and Matt brings up in our YouTube chat saying on 32 Thoughts Pod, podcast, Friedman brought up that for, the Ford market, market is shrinking with Bertuzzi. Yeah. And other forwards seemingly yeah, Jonathan off the trade Taves. Ball. Yeah. Yeah, it's like I'm not ruling it out. There's just a lot of there's a lot of bodies. Who and it's you, just he, here's an interesting question. Mm-hmm. Who would you rather have? Patrick Kane for this year only, or Henrique mm-hmm. for this year and next at full oh, retention? Oh, I would rather have uh, Adam Henrique just for mm-hmm. this year than Patrick Kane just for this year. Okay. There you go. So at least, yes. Um, yeah, the Patrick, the Patrick Kane thing is just so wild to me. Cause like he had, he had a great game against Toronto. <laughs> yeah. He had that the burst. one, that, that was one his burst game. That was a, that was a fantastic game for him and the Chicago Blackhawks in terms of his value because, oh boy, that boosted it. Yeah. I just, I understand that he can help a team and he's not like a bad player, but if you look at what he actually does and you look at his numbers, the reputation, does, his just, hip does not look good. Like he does not look like he skated the games against yeah. the ducks. Like there were flashes of the old player, but yeah, most of the time, like you could tell, like he is not like age has come for him. I'm fascinated to see what he's going to get. Cause he's 34. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like he is just no spring chicken. Yep. So, all right. Anyway, let's move on, on here. Maxime Contois. 
Oh, I did not have Comtois even on my list of players. So that I, was I have at. I have a couple couple okay. little tidbits. Let's on. hear him because I did the Henrik one. So he's he's an RFA. So the Ducks don't really have to do anything. It's not as if it's a situation like with the UFAs where you risk losing them for nothing. The Ducks can keep him or at least have the option of keeping him. His qualifying offers a year, 2.445 million. So like that's just, it's not prohibitive to me. Uh, I think he's only got three years until he's a UFA. He turns 25 next January. So something like that. The only comparable deal that I could find, and this kind of makes sense to me, just from a gut check perspective, was last season you saw Nico Sturm get traded for Tyson Jost. So Nico Sturm, similar age range at the time, was an RFA. Tyson Jost had a year left. You know, you keep hearing Contois' name out there, and his, uh, you know, you, he, he's been getting healthy scratched a lot. So I just think that if you're going to trade Contois, it's not going to be a situation where you're getting back draft picks no. or it's going to be kind of like what we saw with Sturm and Jost where you're kind of trading malcontents. So, so I think if, if the ducks are dead set on moving off of him and it's at the point where they're just going to do what they do with Sam Steele and not qualify him over summer, mm-hmm. then move him for whatever you can get. I think yeah. I would much rather though, see him with a new coach next year and see what that new coach can get Same. out of him. And, and I like think he, that re- rehab that value. He He's not going to be an expensive player. I mean, in theory, you could not qualify him and then sign him uh, to an even lower number. But regardless, I just, I, I think there's enough intrigue with his game where I'd want to see him in a better situation in Anaheim. And worst case scenario, you then trade him next trade deadline if things really aren't working out. So, so we're just going to go back and forth, I think. Let's do it like that. So I'm going to put okay. a name out there now. Okay. And I'm going off the beaten path also before we get to the bigger names. Okay. So I was listening to the DFO show today with Frank okay. Valley, And they were talking about the Toronto Maple Leafs in this trade and the fact that it's locked in that they're pretty much playing the, the Tampa Bay Lightning. And so they're trying to figure out how do the Tampa Bay Lightning respond to this? <laughs> and they were kind of saying that they need I don't, I don't think depth. you need to respond when you're the one that's winning every year. They, they need a depth defenseman and depth forwards. And you look at what they've done over the last couple of years, and they've identified some younger talent that have term associated with it to give them a, a valuable cap or essentially a cap hit that works long term for multiple years. And they value that. And you Can look I guess at, who you're, you're about to say on the Ducks? And they specifically uh, mentioned Brandon Hagel as an as a, right. uh, example of this last year. And for those that don't remember, Brandon Hagel was traded to the Tampa Bay Lightning along with two fourth-round picks for Taylor Radish and Boris Kachuk, who were just kind of thrown in. I don't think either of those players were really highly talented prospects. And two first-round picks. Can top 10 protected, but two first-round picks in 2023 and 2024. Who do you think I'm going to mention? Who do you think Frank Cervalli mentioned? I think I think I now remember that. I think you, I saw you mention this in our Discord, so okay. I don't want to spoil it. Just, okay. Just go ahead. It is Isaac Lundstrom was a person he mentioned. But does he have multiple? He has one year left. I don't see the comparison there. Well, did Hagel so have one year left? Hagel had two years left. Okay, so that doesn't really fit what he's saying. But because I, well, I thought you were going to say uh, Frank Vetrano. <laughs> no. Well, yeah, but he has this year and next year. Well, it does fit in the sense of they value guys that can fit in their bottom six that mm-hmm. do that aren't UFAs right away, and he's actually 
one year left and as an RFA after that. So they could yeah. keep him at a cost-controlled value after that. And, I mean, I would assume his qualifying offer is not going to be that high. They could just give him his qualifying offer and go from there um, and keep his rights for another year. And so I think with that being considered, I think you and I are both lower on Isaac Lundestrom, but I do think that there is probably a decent amount of value within the trade marketplace for a guy like him, a guy that is known as being a defensively responsible center, a guy that is locked up for this year and next at a manageable cap hit that it helps you keep more flexibility by having a guy like that in your bottom six. And I genuinely think Isaac Lundestrom, if he went in a deal like that to, uh, to Tampa Bay could get you a first round pick. Oh man. I don't see that a first round pick for Isaac Lundestrom. Brandon Hagel did not have that much of a track record. I need to now see what was going on. Brandon, Brandon Hagel, Hagel had one full season in the NHL prior to last year or last year was his first full season in the NHL. Let's and he see. had higher, a little bit he of had higher 21 production goals though. He had a Chicago, yeah higher production in 55 he had si- games. He had six and Lundstrom had 16 goals and Hagel's a winger versus Lundstrom being a center. So Lundstrom has less goals and he plays a different position. Like what, what exactly teams is the value, argument here? Teams value centers over wingers. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying the same trade. I'm not saying two firsts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I would, I don't think, I don't think you would say that. No. no. And so that's where I'm getting at is that I think that that's the framework for a deal like that. Yeah, but here's my question though: Is there a ton of upside to trading Isaac Lindstrom? Like, let's say you get a first round pick. Is is you know the thirtieth pick better than having Isaac Lindstrom under team control for the next few years and maybe he develops? So here's where I'm at with that: is that. I think Isaac Lundstrom has more value right now to a team that is cap strapped than he does to a Ducks team because of his cap hit, because of his contract. The Ducks can't really make that much value out of that because they have so much cap space. Having a guy like that under contract, sure, you want to hope he develops everything like that because it helps you out from a development perspective, long-term planning. But I think if you look at the Ducks' long-term plan, they're most likely going to get a center out of this draft that is going to probably be NHL ready next year. And they already have McTavish and Zegras. And they're going to have Nathan Gauthier also. Probably be NHL ready in the next year or two. Yeah, I just like, again, he's he's a cheap forward. And no, at some my, point, the, the Ducks aren't going to have cap space forever. But like, my point is that over that time that he is cheap, that Lundstrom is cheap, Gauthier is going to be on the team. That you're gonna have any of these next three guys that they take yeah. in the in the top three, those guys will be on the team. Like there, there is someone that is going to be supplementing that that spot on the roster, and so I think that the value, I think just to get more value out of trading him because you're not getting the value out of his cap hit right now. You don't get yeah. to like you don't get the cap flexibility added to next year. I just push. I push back that he gets you a first round pick, and I I push back that he's. If he does get you a first, do you move him? If he does get you a first, yeah. Who's first? Tampa Bay's first. Tampa Bay's. So they've given up their twenty three and twenty four first. So it would have to be. I probably do it, but it's not like. I'm not convinced that it's this like awesome trade either, because I mean Lundstrom was basically that. He was a twenty. Yeah, you're, you're recouping the the asset. Yeah, like it's not this huge value um, for me anyway. So let's see. What picks does Tampa have? Yeah, Tampa doesn't have a first until 2025. 
So that that at least could be somewhat interesting because at some point Tampa Bay will decline. Yeah. So there's your argument. Give yep. me the get, get get yourself the 2026 so, uh, Tampa Bay first it, round pick. It was just something that, and there was no actual insight. Just to be clear, Frank didn't yeah. say that he had information making Isaac Lindstrom available. It was just him trying to find a fit for what uh, for a similar type of player that Tampa Bay may identify. And so yep. that that's what that was. I think it'd be interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I like I don't think trading Isaac Lindstrom is a death knell by any means. Just no. to be. Just to be clear here. So, um, okay. Should we take turn. a break? Yeah, We're, it's probably yeah. time for a break. Yeah, you're right. Time's that went fine. by way quick. Uh, all right. This episode is brought to you by 714 Tickets. So, I think it's agreed that there's no better way to watch hockey than going to games, uh, going to the games live and in person. That's where 714 Tickets comes in. 714 Tickets is a locally owned ticket company in Anaheim that never charges you taxes or, or service fees. Unlike StubHub or Ticketmaster, they're located right in front of Honda Center, but also have a website, 714tickets.com, where you can earn 5% back in rewards on every online purchase. So to recap, you can see your favorite team play, you can pay no fees, and you can earn rewards back on your favorite purchases. And I mean, we're talking about the Ducks, right? Right now. They are going to make a bunch of trades over the next week. There are probably going to be guys coming back, and some of them might be some younger guys to add to the roster right away. With 714 tickets, that allows you to go see them in person before kind of next year. Get get a view of them, see what they're like on the ice. So really a no-brainer to use 714 tickets. You can shop your Ducks tickets at 714tickets.com or stop by their office for a more personal feel. So you can check them out and use the promo code CTP to get 10% off your purchase. So please go check them out, 714 tickets. Uh, like we've said, the no fees, everything like that when you're dealing with the current marketplace for yeah, tickets. Yeah, and support someone local. Yeah, so go check them out. Use the code CTP at checkout to get 10% off your purchase. Okay, great. Now let's forge ahead. So I guess it's my turn. Yep. I will return to the beaten path. And I'm going to try to just uh, get some of these. I'm going to get an easy one out of the way first. Okay. Uh, Nathan Bollier. He's a UFA. Here's my comparison for Nathan Bolia. You want to hear it? <laughs> I already know what it is. Nathan Bolia. <laughs> he was traded for a conditional seventh round pick last season. So there's a nice, uh, nice and neat comp for you guys. I could you argue that Ben Hutton in 2021 for a fifth rounder would be like a peak return for Nathan Bolia? So he's played more games this season than he did last year. I'm guessing that Bullier gets you a sixth round pick this year. Yeah. I'm going to split the difference here. Sixth or seventh round pick. I mean, to be honest, this might be a weird thing for me to say. I would probably just keep him on the roster of the team. You need, you need bodies on this team. Yeah. You need bodies. And it's like, like we're just saying here, a sixth round pick. Like if you can get like a fifth rounder. Sure. I, uh, sixth round, seventh round. Sure. Get as many assets you can. But I also think, the Ducks are going to be bad for the rest of the year. I think having a warm body like him on the roster isn't going to hurt you. And like, by the way, Nathan Bolio helps you get Connor Bedard. Yeah, that like he, he might. Well, that, that's where I was going with it. He, he deserves he, he deserves a belt like a WWE style belt for his contributions to the to the tank this year. I was trying to dance around it nicely, and you just went for it. So yes, he actually probably has more value to this roster long term on the roster for the final stretch than 
whatever pick he gets you. Lou's asking warm body is compared opposed to cold. I yeah, mean, like he's he's alive. Like he's yeah. Yes. Anyway, yeah, ex- exactly. All yeah, right. It's a saying, well, Lou. We're down to a few names, so let's Cap. see who you've got. Um, I am going to go with Dmitry Kulikov. Hmm. And the comparable that I have for him, I have two actually. And I, I don't three. think. Well, I have three also. Technically, I have three listed <laughs> that could work for it. I've got. I try to really keep it to the most recent seasons just because that helps you a little bit more with value. And so you look at some of the deals for UFA defensemen last year and kind of fitting the same mold. And so you have Brett Kulak, who got William Lagason, a second-round pick from Edmonton and a seventh-round pick from Edmonton. Um, and the second-round pick is conditional. Uh, if the Oilers reach the Stanley Cup uh, final, Montreal will receive Edmonton's 2023 second. So it's just about which year it's going to be. Um, and then Justin Braun was moved from the Philadelphia Flyers to the New York Rangers for a third round pick. And if you want to go back to 2021, Dmitry Kulikov. Yeah, there you traded, go. Traded for a fourth round pick. Uh, did I nail all three of yours? Uh, I think you just said, uh, you said, uh, Brett Kulak. I said Kulak, I, I, Braun, Kulikov. I didn't have Kulak in there cause he's, he's a little younger than Kulikov is. Fair. Kulikov's 32. Um, I had Braun, yes, third round pick. I had Jordy Ben from 2021, like I, as kind of like a bottom, yeah, like setting the spectrum. And then yeah, <laughs> Dmitry Kulikov. So I feel like Kulikov can get you a third round pick this year. And I think if you retain half, maybe it bumps up to a second rounder. Yeah, like I to me, I don't know if second round is necessarily in play. I think if a team could get Dmitry Kulikov for 1.125. Or if you could get a, it's actually something I don't know. Well, how, also the, how far down you can get retention to. I don't know if can you get retention underneath minimum salary. <laughs> I, if you get a third team retaining salary on it, so it's well, isn't like, that with the Leafs? Well, they didn't do that with O'Reilly, but no. Di- but didn't re- the regardless, or, yeah, anyway. I think I think Kulikov at a accruing cap hit of one point one two five mil. For the rest of the season, like I think there's a lot of value to that. I I think that they could get a third round pick. I think maybe it bumps up to a second round pick even. Well, also the 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 blue line market is just not that deep to me. Like there's no. there's Look a big Gavrikov. Gavrikov is like, is like the, the bell of the ball right now. Yes, he's the bell of the ball. And I mean Kulikov hasn't been great this season, but I think he he's serviceable on especially on a on a good team. And some of the names that are up there, like on these trade boards, like I don't think Eric Carlson. I would. I hope. I'm praying Eric Carlson gets traded because that would be so much fun. But I don't think that's going to happen. No. So, I mean, yeah. Chris Chris Johnston, I think, had him on his trade board at like ninth. Carlson? No, no, no. no. Kulikov. Oh. Well, anyway, I if I were to predict it and to look into my crystal ball, I will say third round pick. Yeah. Although Justin I, but- Braun was was 35. Yeah, but I, I think, think just, I think Braun's reputation is a little stronger. I think if we are going high end, high end, the second round pick, low end is probably a fourth round pick. Yeah, I would say somewhere in that in that medium. Yeah. Yep. Okay, I will go next. Hmm, where should I go to next? Let's let's stick to the blue line here. I'll do Kevin Shattenkirk. Okay. So he's thirty four. I honestly just went straight back to Justin Braun. Like 
to me, that's a very similar profile. Like Braun was 35, like similar age, veteran. Maybe Shattenkirk isn't quite held in the same esteem at this point because of how he's declined a little bit, but he can still help you offensively on the power play in a, in a lower role. So I think Shattenkirk can probably get you a third round pick, maybe like a third to fourth round pick. I think he could even get you up to a second round pick, to be honest. <laughs> I feel like you're the optimist between oh, us on those. 100%. 100%. Do we think Shattenkirk's even going to get dealt? I think he will be. I go back and forth on if that's going to happen or not. I think he will get, they will get an offer that you can't refuse. Well, I think if, if it's a second round, like if it's a third round pick, you do it. Anyway. I think if it's a second round pick, you obviously do it. But if it's a second round pick, you don't get off the phone until the deal is done. God, I mean, so. Ben Chirot got a first round pick last year. That's still- Yeah, but Chirot wasn't 34. No, like- I know. I know. It's more so I'm just going through the trades, kind of looking for a good comparable right now. Chirot's Sh- name will come back up. I'll just say that. Sherratt's name will come back up? In this conversation. For who? In this conversation. Okay, well, anyway, do you have any other thoughts on on the one they call Shat Deuces? Uh, I think if we're saying Kulikov is a third, I think Shattenkirk gets more than that due to the offensive reputation. I actually think Shattenkirk to the Lightning could make a lot of sense because it's a player they know, a player that they know can work in their system. And they need depth defensemen, and I think Shattenkirk's a guy that they they know works there. So I think I think the Lightning would be a team at full retention on, on a Kevin Shattenkirk. They'd give up a second round pick. Okay, I'm gonna predict third. Okay, <laughs> I'm I'm very curious to see. Like we need we need. Well, it's a good thing this is being recorded because we can look back once the dust settles. Yep. Okay. All right. I am going to go with Anthony Stolarz. Oh wow! Is Anthony Stolarz first off going to be? like available to, to play hockey at by the trade deadline? Are we going to see him again? <laughs> until the deadline. Um, there's not a whole lot of backup goalies that have been dealt over, over the years. I think I saw Kakanen for Middleton as being one recently. There you go. The one that I was able to see. I mean, sure. It's the, that that's one, but that doesn't Mark really Andre make... Fleury. <laughs> Vitek Vanacek, his, his signing rights along with a second round pick were traded uh, to the Devils by the Capitals, and this is a summer deal, so not a deadline deal, but maybe oh, wow. you can you, you can make fully. a little bit, a little bit of this for a second round pick and a third round pick. So essentially, Vitek Vanacek for a third round pick as an RFA for his signing rights, and this is a guy that was waiver claimed, things like that. So that's where I was thinking. So maybe Stollers gets you a third round pick. Yeah i I just saw Flurry get a conditional second round pick. And just thought immediately, okay, well, if Marc-Andre Fleury doesn't even get you a for sure second round pick, then Anthony Stolar is going to be below that. Yeah. So I would say, you know, third to fifth round pick is his range. Yeah, yeah I think third's the high end of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of interesting. This is kind of like the opposite of last year's trade deadline where the Ducks have a lot of guys who I feel like get you similar-ish returns in this kind of yeah. mid-round range. But I still think these are trades you have to make. Well, it because, was funny. I, I was yeah. thinking about that same thing today, but the the Ducks last year were almost the bell of the ball from the, the trade yeah. perspective. They had right? all the big names. Yeah. This year, because I remember last year we looked What's at the... What's the opposite the, of bell, bell of the ball? The... the Actually, don't say it. I, I don't <laughs> Whatever know. Whatever it is. The dunce? The beast of the ball? Yeah, no. Like... I. <laughs> Anyway, but you like were, you, you look were at saying something, the ugly ducklings. There we go, Winterborn. There we go. Mm-hmm. Um, you looked at any of the trade deadline boards, and the Ducks players were they had three in the top ten typically. 
And this year, it's funny, like, you don't see many of them, but I think they're all going to get traded. I think there's a lot of assets to be gained from this. So it's just the, the market for these kind of middling guys is pretty saturated. It's the only issue. Is it? There's just it, a it, lot of names out there. Yeah. There's, there's so many guys that could get dealt and the decks I have think, been a tire I don't fire. think there's a lot of just straight sellers, though. Fair. Like, I, Fair. I think that's the thing the Ducks have going for them is that, sure, there are other bad teams, but I'm not sure all those bad teams have guys that other teams would want. Like, we talked about it, like, why are why we expected the Ducks to be decent this year because you looked at the, the pieces that they added to this team and they were actually, like, good pieces and we thought that they could make a, a good team. Yeah. And... I think other GMs will probably see that. And as compared to like we talked about the Chicago, the Chicago's of the world, the Arizona's of the world, different things like that, where these were teams that were built to be bad. They took on, took on bad contracts. And so it's not as if like the coyotes are going to be able to flip a Zach Cassian, for instance, like yeah. the ducks have these guys that are, were signed or brought in to try to help this team this year. And if things went awry, they could be moved. And so I don't think there's other teams in the same places the ducks with assets like that well i think not a real duck brings up a good point that there's a lot of teams kind of in this wild card race there's a lot of teams trying to stay alive so maybe desperation will help the ducks in this scenario okay who should i go to next should i save the best for last probably let's see here let's let's get this guy uh accounted for Derek grant the elite 1c Oh. Number 38 for your Anaheim Ducks. Uh, so here's my comparison right off the hop. <laughs> Nick, Nick Delorier. <laughs> I didn't go for Derek Grant's last, the last time he was traded. I, oh. I should have done that. You should have. Uh, but Nick Delorier got a third round pick. Uh, Derek Broussard got a fourth round pick. Andrew Cogliano got a fifth round pick. So in 2024, I don't know if Tyler Mott is necessarily a perfect comparison, but he got a fourth round pick last year and a prospect. So I feel like that's what you're probably going to see for Derek Grant is somewhere in this, this range of third to fifth round pick, maybe, maybe a little bit on the higher end, but I wouldn't expect anything more or anything less than that. Yeah, probably. Are you uh... distracted? I'm trying to figure out. I want to. I want to leave John Klingberg for you. You don't have to. You can. You can take Kling, so the one they call I, Klingy. I. I've got no because I want to leave it for you because I don't have great comparables for him. Oh, okay. Which is why okay. I'm leaving it for you. So okay. I'm gonna just go with a weird one right now. Do you think Sam Carrick is a comparable to Tyler Mott? Oh wow, that is. Is he even a UFA? No, he's got another year left on he his deal. He was just resigned. You're yeah. heartless. Am I? He or do I want him traded? A, probably just bought a home, but in your area. <laughs> I don't think in my area. You want to kick out your neighbors? He would have bought a home for a lot more than I did. Okay. Well, Sam Do you Carrick. think Tyler Mott's a good comparable for, for Sam Carrick? Well, Tyler Mott's once again a UFA, though, isn't he? Uh, Yes, he is. So, it's not... Do you, a... think, do you think that return could be had? Julian Gauthier is a guy that they... Supposedly, the Ottawa Senators liked. It was who Gauthier in like a seventh round pick? Yeah, something like that. I mean, I feel like Tyler Ma is just specifically valuable to the Rangers. And so I almost, I almost just like can't take anything away from that deal. 
Also, it's kind of struck me lately how I feel like the Rangers are just a very bizarre franchise. Where oh, 100%. I feel like their GM is like slowly getting smarter from the whatever happened a couple of years ago. But then they have this coach who they constantly need to placate and they have to take his toys away. It reminds me a lot of Michelle Therrien and Mark Bergevin, what's going on over there. But they have this amazing, like they have these great players. So, anywho, uh, no, I don't see uh, that kind of return okay. for Sam Carrick. But if you want to trade him, like he's not costing anyone very much and yeah. he's serviceable, but yeah. it would be very heartless of you to kick out your, your neighbor. I'm just okay. fully making up this narrative now. You 100% are. Okay. I've left John Klingberg for you. Oh, boy. Well, this will be contentious. So here's the... I'll start with the the worst case scenario. Okay. I think the worst case scenario for John Klingberg is Mike Riley in 2021, which was a third round pick. And Mike Riley at that time, when he was traded, had 19 points in 40 games. And was younger than Klingberg. Something to keep in mind. And Klingberg this season... He's at uh, 20 points in 47 games. So his point per game is actually less than Mike Riley, and he's older. But John Klingberg has a much, I would say, stronger reputation. Yep. Although the league kind of passed up on him long-term over the last offseason. So they mind. So well, they passed, up, they passed up on him long-term at the contract he wanted, at the AAV he wanted. So the worst case to me is Mike Riley. That's, that's my anchor as a third-round pick. Then the best, best case scenario, you brought him up, is Ben Sherratt. Uh, that, and, and Ben Sherratt was 30, so same exact age as uh, John Klingberg last deadline. And he got a first, he got a prospect, kind of like a whatever prospect and a fourth-round pick. And then the other comparable, also age 30, also a right-hand shot for the Anaheim Ducks, Josh Manson. So yeah, he, and- he, he got a second round pick plus Helson. And the reason why I kind of go to these guys is because they weren't, they're not guys who were on the eve of their kind of next big contract. These are guys that are kind of in their thirties now that aren't going to go and fetch big. Con- I mean, I don't think Klingberg's going to get that. So, well, and I, I think it's easy to just, I mean, from pure contract perspective and looking at yeah. value, right? I think that, uh, John Klingberg has more value than Josh Manson. Like I and I think that that, that is, is a that is a I don't know if I can get there. He was offered a seven by seven by the Dallas Stars by his team, and the Ducks offered him seven years. Also, did the seven, Ducks seven offer years, Josh seven, Manson a seven by seven? No, but the Colorado Avalanche like he ended up signing in Colorado for what four times four was what Manson got. Yeah, yeah somewhere so in there. you're you're looking at similar guys that were going to be UFAs in a similar time period. And it was by their same team, right? Josh Manson was on the Colorado Avalanche. And the Stars offered John Klingberg 7x7. Seven seven. The star, the uh, Avalanche offered Manson 4x4. Four four. I think that goes to show you who, at least prior to the season, this is obviously not accounting for this season that could take down his value, but John Klingberg was more valuable to teams than Josh Manson was. They provide different value in different ways, so it would need to be the right fit and things like that. But I think the key thing with John Klingberg is that I think a lot of teams can look at the Ducks and just simply say, this is a weird season. Bad environment. That Bad environment. And you hope that essentially the 
John Klingberg of the past is who he is. And I think and that he's it's a, still been like modestly productive. Well, it's if not you look as at if... The, if you look at the micro stats for him also that yeah. Corey Schneider has tracked, he's been good at breaking the puck out clean and breaking and like he, and, and he's creating chances been, for teams. He's basically been the same player he's always been. Yeah. Like, he just doesn't have the points because the team yeah. around him sucks. I mean, B. Doddle says this. I mean, we talk about Klingberg having a down year, but he's basically been himself just on a worse team. Yeah. Like that's a great way to put it. And so the, 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 the player profile is basically the same. It's just that he doesn't get the, the credit for the system. The system's production. not there to help him basically. Yeah. And and he's not on the first power play unit. I honestly think that a first round pick is doable for him. I think it's the high end, but I think it's doable. I think, I think if you're trying to identify teams, I think if the Edmonton Oilers fall out of the Eric Carlson race, if that just doesn't end up happening, right? Because of all the different variety of factors that come into play that make that deal so hard to happen, so hard to make. I think John Klingberg is a really nice fit there for exactly because exactly what they want, which is supposedly the Oilers players have gone to management and said, "We feel like we play at our best when there's a guy that can move the puck out in transition quickly." And if you look at the microstat data from John Klingberg this year, that's what he's done. Like people will say, well, he turns the puck over everything like that. And sure. But he more light, more often than not exits the zone with possession. Yeah. And I mean, he's definitely not Eric Carlson this year. No, <laughs> no, no, no. In terms of pure value, like a value play, is it more wise for the Oilers to bet on just kind of a short-term Klingberg situation and pay let's call it a first round pick plus prospect like at most or basically move heaven and earth to bring in Eric Carlson. And you have no idea if he's going to continue to be this good year over year. And you have this kind of back end of the contract you got to deal with. Like, I think there's a case to be made. Klingberg is just like a wiser bet for the Oilers. Yeah. Um, and so just for those wondering, John Klingberg is above replacement at exiting with possession, exiting with percent or percentage exiting with percentage per 60. Uh, he's good at de- uh, retrieving the puck per 60, although he does have some botched um, retrievals, but he's good at when he retrieves the pucks, those leads to exits. He's good at entering the zone um, with passing plays. Too. He shoots the puck. He has a lot of uh, shot assists, actually. No, he doesn't shoot the puck a lot. He actually he has a lot of shot assists, so he sets up shots by other teammates. Yeah, uh, and- a bunch. And he's been productive lately. He's got eight points in his last 12 games. So anyway, just to kind of wrap that up, I would say that I would, if I were to predict, I don't think he gets you the Ben Chirot mother load. <laughs> I think it's going to be somewhere between Manson and Riley. I think probably Ooh. is probably a second round pick with like a lesser tier prospect or a second round pick with a lower pick. I think it's a first I, round pick. I'm just going for it. You know, let's be okay. positive here. And, I mean, it's, and, and it's possible. Like I, and, I'm, this is my opinion. I, yeah. but I, it's possible. Yes. And, and here's the thing for anyone kind of that wants to say this is a bad signing as a result of that, because he's not even going to get you a first round pick at best. Uh, or he might not get you a first round pick. Like even if he gets a second round pick, like the ducks needed to spend that money. They like, got a free second round. Well, they, they paid $7 million for a second well, round pick. Cause I think Frank Sarah Valley was talking about this. Now, if you were to talk to uh, the Ducks and Pat Verbeek, they would have hoped that essentially with that $7 million payment, they were at least buying a first-round pick plus over summer. That's what that $7 million was doing for them. And I think yeah. what that misses in context is that um, I, I think that 
the Ducks had to spend money. They were underneath the cap floor. And so it's, yeah. and, and I think that that is what that misses. So whether it was a John Klingberg or spending it elsewhere, they had to spend that money. So regardless of what they went out and did or whatever John Klingberg ends up getting them, they need to spend that money and it ends yeah. up getting them whatever pick they end up getting. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I, I fully like, I agree with that. And I've, I've, I've had to argue with people with that exact reasoning before. So don't take this as me saying like, I don't. No think this was a I think this was a bad investment or whatever like they they just had to spend the money like mm-hmm. if the ducks weren't in the cap situation they were in last summer I think it's a completely different conversation 100%. if they go out and get John Klingberg so yeah I it was a great move like this the 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 asset play was always there for the ducks yeah. and and they're going to cash in so yeah. r- regardless I mean, of what they get this is like a net positive for them okay so so let's run through it real quick before we get to some questions but Let's say I'll run through the players we listed and look at. Pro- what do you? We've got, yes well, or we've no? Got one more. We've oh, we do. One more. Okay. Yeah. How Ooh. dare you? How dare you besmirch the Magna name? <laughs> He's not getting moved. He's a UFA. Is 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 Andrew Cogliano his comp? Same age He's last year. On, was on the team this year. Yeah. No, he was a waiver claim. I don't think he's getting moved. Fine. Um, Fine. All right. Let, let's run through the, the players and say yes or no on terms of their move. And then just kind of out of curiosity, think about how many picks the Ducks are going to have at, <laughs> okay. at, at the end of this. Stolars. No. Okay. Uh, Henrique. No. I'm going yes. So. Did sure. you say anything for Stolars? Yeah. Oh, Stolars, I'm going no also. I don't think there's value there. Okay. There's enough value. To get the the stretch that I did with Vitek Vanacek. Uh Klingberg. Yes. Kulikov. Yes. Bolyu. <laughs> I'm going no. You talked me into no. Okay. Shattenkirk. I'm going to go no. I'm going yes. Okay. And then the other one, let's go Lundestrom and Comtois. No on Lundestrom. Like, okay. <laughs> Okay. And I'm gonna go yes on a contour. Just for just for a little chaotic oh. pick. Not because I think it's gonna happen. Just just I'll go I'll go no. chaos. I'll go no on both. Uh Derek yeah. Grant. I'm gonna go no. I'm gonna go no. Sam Carrick. <laughs> no. Okay. So we both agree so on You didn't say least... anything for Carrick. I said no. You said okay. Oh, sorry. I meant no. (laughs) It's the wine talking. Let's go with that. Uh, So we both agree that Klingberg will be moved, that uh, Kulikov will be moved. Yep. And that's it? Those are the only two that we fully agree on? Yeah. So I'm just going to say, so if it's Klingberg and, and Kulikov, the Ducks will probably walk away with a second and a third. Most likely. Between the two of them? Yeah. Oh, I'm going to go, yeah, yeah, because maybe they, they get a prospect in the Klingberg deal. Yeah, and then okay. I think Adam Henrique will get moved, and I think Klingberg could get you a first, but I'm just going to think Adam Henrique gets moved? I think Adam Henrique gets moved. I think Pat Verbeek knows what needs to get done. <laughs> so we're going with that. It, it makes a lot of sense. to like it Honestly, what would you rather the Ducks do? Trade none of their pending UFAs or trade Adam Henrique? 
or let me rephrase that. Would you rather they trade all their pending UFAs and not Adam Henrique or Adam Henrique and none of their pending UFAs? I think Adam Henrique has the most value. So right. Adam that's the thing. Like, would you rather a pile of like third round picks or probably some pretty interesting stuff? For Adam like, Henrique? I, I think realistically what I would like to see from the deadline is if I'm saying best case scenario, Adam Henrique and John Klingberg are both moved and the Ducks get two additional first round picks. Whatever year they are is whatever year they are. But the Ducks add those to their their massive uh, their massive haul and their prospect system that they have. Yeah. So I, I think you can maybe get some seconds and third in there with Shattenkirk and Kulikov and, and maybe some additional pieces there. But I think the real bells of the ball for this Ducks team, if we're going to go with that continually, uh, is Henrik Klingberg and maybe Kulikov. Yeah, I think Klingberg and Kulikov for sure get moved. And mm-hmm. so this is definitely not going to be a kind of franchise altering deadline no. like last year's was. But I think as we've kind of outlined added value. Yeah. As long as Pat Verbeek is active and there's demand, which I think there will be, the ducks are going to just walk out of it with more draft picks in tow, maybe some prospects. And that's, that's what they need at this stage. There's no sense in bringing any of these guys back right now, at least, or, you know, finishing out the season with them. Although as we outlined with Bolio, maybe it's better to have them on the roster. So we'll see. But I, yep. I, I don't think that the, the Ducks are in a good position here. And one thing I want to add on this is it's brought up in our Twitch chat that you only are allowed three salary retentions on your cap sheet. And so we're talking about all these players and saying, oh, if you retain salary, if you retain salary, you're only allowed three. So... I think if Henrique has moved, that's a for sure one. I think Klingberg is another for sure one. And then maybe Kulikov is a third one. And the Ducks end yep. up with three for the end of the year. Because yep. Kulikov and Klingberg end off, off the books over summer. So I would just, some, just something to keep in mind. All right. Question time? Let's do it. All right. So we're going to start with our Discord. And then we will move on over to Twitter. And then eventually to YouTube and Twitch. So YouTube and Twitch, get ready. Start throwing questions in. Put questions in the front. I'll see him. We'll get some once we get to you guys. Uh, hey, Flow said, is it fair to infer that the Ducks culture seems very good despite the team being so bad this season? The effort appears to be there, and players seem to be close with each other with no apparent drama or in-team issues. What is your take? Do you guys have any confirmation of this from anyone you know who is around the team on a regular basis? No, but I think from what we've seen in these players' lounge interviews that they mm-hmm. do, it seems like there's good camaraderie between the players. Of course, we we just we we can't know. There's there's really no way of knowing unless you have someone in there that tells you or something to, of that nature. Yeah. But yeah, it, it doesn't. I don't get the sense that the wheels are falling off the wagon from that perspective. But again, it's just speculation. Yep, uh, agreed. Hey, Odifo said, "Who is more responsible for Max Comtois' lack of emergence as a top six forward?" Uh, Max Comtois, Dallas Aikens. Also, over Beak trade Max Comtois. If so, what could the return fetch? So we already talked about the return, but let's get to the first part of that. I think the person most responsible for Max Comtois' lack of development, and this goes for other players too, is is the the Ducks franchise, Bob Murray, the last few years, where I think the player development has just been really lacking. And you see a lot of guys get drafted in the top top two rounds and that they don't really improve with the Ducks or they kind of just stay the same or sometimes get worse. So I think that that's more of an organizational indictment. Yes, of course, the player needs to put in the work and 
Dallas Aikens basically dragged Contois's work ethic publicly. Was it yesterday or a couple days ago? But I, I put it more on the actual organization itself than either coach or player. Yeah, I agree with that. And then, hey, Odifel, I'll give him a shout out on this, but we already answered. What was the most likely return for Kevin Shattenkirk? Uh, we talked about that. Uh, so, yeah. Shaken Wing said, how far can we drop if we finish last in the NHL? Third. Um, yeah, okay. You, I was trying to understand exactly where it was going. Yeah, third is the farthest that you can drop in the draft. Um, let's see. And what would Gibson bring back, and who would potentially want him? Oh, God. Well... <laughs> I have not done any prep for that one, but I don't think I don't think Gibson's getting moved at the trade deadline. If he does, it'll be a, a draft day or kind of off-season move. I honestly don't really see teams interested in him until he really like I don't see the Ducks getting a really good return for him until he actually shows that he can turn things around because I you know, listening to the PDO cast the other day and the fact that teams just don't really invest that much at the goaltending position cap-wise these days, unless you have one of the, whatever it is, seven best goalies in the league, I just don't see a team talking itself into saying, okay, unless the Ducks retain, and maybe that's what changes things, we're going to take on this $6.4 million cap hit for a goalie who hasn't really shown anything in the last four years. And yes, there's a situation, situational element to that, but I... I don't know. I, I think that really for the Ducks to make that something of that deal, they're going to have to retain. And then at that point, it's just that opens up another conversation. Yep. Um, really quickly, one thing that's being mentioned in our Twitch chat that I wanted to briefly address is kind of the Ducks may have to take back some bad contracts to be able to stay above the cap floor. And I don't have full confirmation on this. I'd need to run the numbers on it, but I actually think they're going to be okay. Um, their cap hit kind of accruing is about 68 mil and the, uh, current salary cap floor is 60 million. And so just one thing to keep in mind, like I've said, salary cap space accrues over time. So the ducks are at 68 million right now. They could drop below that. I, um, at some point in time and they've accrued enough where they're still going to end up at the end of the season over the salary cap floor and be okay on that side of it. So, um, that's just something to keep in mind for this is that they could end up below being below their AAV kind of totaling up underneath 60 mil and still be okay at the end of the year. Um, so that's just one thing to keep in mind there. Um, but Mike Appa AG, uh, said, where was one Felix Accard when Sami Zayn was pinned by the undisputed universal heavyweight champion, the head of the table, your tribal tribal chief, Roman Reigns. Yeah. WWE was in Montreal this, this weekend. Great yeah. organization. Great choice. Screwed over a local boy. I, I co-sign all of it. They could have given Sami Zayn one of the biggest pops of all time, building <laughs> off a great story building off his fantastic reception in Montreal, and they decided to just let Roman win. Yeah, sometimes you don't want to pay too much fan service. I I legitimately don't know. I know. I, you know what? I'm as qualified to talk about wrestling as, like, an expert because this whole thing is just... Oh, it's just storytelling. It's yeah, storytelling. Exactly. It's just like if you're critiquing a movie. There's no... Like... 
no one's actually qualified to do it. Some people study it more in depth and, and have some more historical knowledge. Like the technical but, elements of... But yeah, that anyway. doesn't necessarily mean, just because someone understands the technical elements doesn't mean that the, the average person is going to love it as much as them. Like, there's a difference between a, cr- a critic and loving a movie and just a normal, ad- average, good, casual uh, person. Good on the legendary company to stay unpredictable. I mean, this was a very predictable finish. Roman Reigns winning in going into uh, WrestleMania was the predictable finish. Sami Zayn uh, winning would have been unpredictable. Uh, Lou Lou's just always good for uh, a weird take that I don't have a great opinion on though. Uh, Cool Ranch Doritos, just why? They're fine. I'm not the biggest Cool Ranch Dorito fan. Doritos Locos Taco, Cool Ranch at Taco Bell. I'm not a Dorito. Like, here's the thing with Doritos Locos Tacos. I went a long time without getting Taco Bell, and I tried it over the last like year or two, and it was just really underwhelming. I mean, yeah, it's Taco Bell. Like, all of these places are just whatever. But yeah, but it was pinch? so hyped up. Okay, well let's 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 the move Doritos on some questions. Lo- okay, so we're gonna go to Twitter now. Um, and so we've got this one from Hockey Rush saying, Jake, question for this week. I've been trying to find a source that tells us what NHL scouts are at, at games but aren't having any luck. Do you or Felix know of any? Uh, typically, the beat writers for different teams, if they see the scouts listed on the press box spot, they'll tweet those out. There's not one that typically compiles it, but you'll find different accounts uh, throughout different things. I know in our Discord, and this is a, a very subtle plug for Patreon, uh, but if our, our Discord at patreon.com slash cash if you're at the $1 tier, a lot of times people will post in our Discord a tweet with uh, with where whatever scouts are at whatever games. Yeah. So there's a subtle plug. Uh, TonyX3124 um, at Kid3124 said, Questions, dudes. Uh, should the Ducks trade one of either Boston or Colorado second round picks for Vitaly Krasov? Or Krasov? Oh, I saw that question. I forgot to do my researching i'm gonna go out on a limb though and say no okay <laughs> just because i feel like it's always a bad sign when you have a this kind of formerly t- highly touted prospect that's now unloved where they are although i will say that the rangers organization tends to make kind of weird decisions and if you look into his tracking data there are some interesting little markers there he's it seems to be a good playmaker but I just don't know if you should pay that much. Like, I don't know if it'll, he'll actually cost you that much. Yeah. A second round pick for, for a guy that just the, the team does not want seems yeah. a little hard to believe. And he also added, and how cool would it be if the Ducks were to, uh, were the third team to eat salary so that the oil could get Carlson IMO. They should be all on yeah. Minnesota in the Brian. No, 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 not, not in the Carlson deal. Well, no, I, not for Carlson, but I just mean in general, I think that that's a, a role that the Ducks could play. Agreed, yeah. agreed. And, and we'll get to that in our Twitch comments about kind of eating salary. But so that the Oilers could get Carlson, and so you're eating salary for four. Like, So let's just put this into context real quick. There are, if I go to San Jose's cap sheet, I'm just trying to look at what Eric Carlson has left on his deal. Cause well, he's got four years. He's got four 5. more years at a former years after this one at yeah. 11 and a half million. So what is that going to be five and 5.25 over two. So 2.125. 
So the Ducks for the next four years would be paying Eric Carl have Eric Carlson at two point one two five on their cap sheet. Well, That's what if it gets you a first? It's not. I mean, because because well, here, someone's going to get here's, someone's going to get paid well for this. Because if if it were to happen, here's the question, and this is the tough thing to answer: What's more valuable over those next four years? Those like cap flexibility or the first round pick? Hmm. I think I with mean, the with knowing that the Ducks are going to be having to pay Mason McTavish, Trevor Zegers, but Troy I feel Terry, like you've, you've made Jamie Drysdale going the other way. Jamie Drysdale, Connor Bedard, yeah, they're going to have gonna, to pay all of uh, these guys over gonna, the next four years. I'm just going to punt and say it just depends what you can get. Like if it if if you get something that's interesting, I think, think that the the it's cap, not a it's it's not a prohibitive number, and the cap's going to go up at some point. I think that well, depending on what happens with the RSNs, we'll see. Within the next four years, who like, knows? I, th- <laughs> I like how you completely miss me saying Connor Bedard. Well, I mean, likelier than not, Connor Bedard will not be a duck. Eh. But just, just statistically, okay. At any of, but regardless, him, Adam Fantelli, Leo Carlson, any of those guys are gonna have to get paid while that cap is still there. Like that, it becomes cost prohibitive. And so, to me, taking on that amount of payment over that time it's, it's is not, not as, worth it. It's not as big of a contract as you're making it out to be, from it's what the two, Ducks would have it, to pay. It's, it's over $2 million. It's just, it's not that big of a deal. It's Again, over it just two, depends what you get. It's over $2 million of dead space. I'd say if it, was, if it was more than that for two years, sure. Like, here's the thing. You said, you've said on previous podcasts that you'd be willing to retain on a John Gibson trade. Right, and that's that's the same term, and that'd be roughly the same number. Actually, it'd be more. It, no, it would one hundred percent be more. So, I, what's the I difference? I think it's I think it's a little bit different because the Ducks are paying him six million. It like that cap hits there already, and whether it's him or it's half of it, so you're actually reduce. You're not adding to your cap. Well, I think I think your better argument is just that Gibson gets you more. Well, no, but it's not only that. It's you reduce that cap. It's already there. It's already accounted for. And if you trade him and retain half, it's actually reducing your your cap and giving you more flexibility. It's not mm-hmm. reducing your flexibility. Okay. So that's why. Just fact checking you. Yeah, there's a reason there. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. And so getting to uh, we had a I had a couple DMs also for questions. William Lewis said, hi, Jake. Hope the little one is coming along well. He is. Luke is doing great. Uh, saying, I have a question for the pod, if I may. What is the record in the worst dif- goal differential in the Stanley Cup era? And will the Ducks set a new record this season? Uh, the Stanley Cup that. era? <laughs> shit. Uh, l- let's do sal- this current salary cap. Okay. Shit stat, but 30 goals clear of the next worst is well, well, it's something. Okay. I feel like if you give me enough time, I can find this. Okay, let's see. Where are the Ducks currently at? League averages. No, that wouldn't be it. Oh, I, I'll be able to find it much quicker than I think you're thinking about. Uh, okay. Continue. So the Ducks are currently at negative. Uh, uh, of course, Hockey Reference does not list this as a stat. Well, Great. You're, you're going real fast there. Yeah, I thought I was going <sighs> to. Hockey <laughs> Reference is a great tool. But man, I don't wish you, they had just goal differential. Don't you? Yeah, they don't. I know what you're looking at, and they don't. Yeah. Uh, let's see though. Goals Some of against. The, let's see. NHL standings. 
Let's see if uh, maybe the, uh, yeah, okay, here we go. So the Ducks currently are at negative 96 this season. <laughs> Last season, the worst place team was Arizona at negative 106. Okay. So they could definitely catch that. Uh, COVID season doesn't count because I'm not going to do it on a per game basis. Detroit in 1920, which was a shortened season also, which makes this even wilder. 71 games. Negative 122. Holy crap, that Red Wings. There was no other team above 52. And the Red Wings were at negative 122. Um, 18, 19, nothing even. The Ducks are worse than any team in 18, 19 currently. 17, 18, negative 81 was the, the goal differential. Uh, 16, 17, Colorado, negative 112. Negative oh, 112 I have might it, be the I, worst. I have it in front of me. So it's the Capitals in 74, 75. Do you want to guess the number? What is it? Just take a guess. Negative 150. Higher. Negative 200? Higher. <laughs> negative 300? Negative 265 wow. in 80 games. This is the 1974-75 The Ducks have almost broken the 100 mark in 57 games. Yeah. The Ducks, though, I mean, to their credit, are not even in the top, I mean, 30 of this list. So there's been some really shitty teams in NHL history. I mean, in the cap era, it's they're up in, there, though. In the cap era, the worst team would be the Sabres in 14-15. Or sorry, no, it's the Red Wings. The, the, the Red Wings team you mentioned in 1920, minus 123. What's so impressive about that, like you mentioned, is that the 71 games. Yeah. And then I mean, the, the next, Ducks are on pace to surpass that. The next worst is the Sabres in 1415, minus 116. And that did not get them Connor McDavid. God. That is, that is a gut punch. The fact that the like overtime wins are booing the Ducks, like they have such a worse goal differential than the Blackhawks. Or the Blue Jackets. So that, yeah, someone brings this up in our chat. And the the Capitals team, their record was eight eight wins, 67 <laughs> losses, <laughs> and five ties. They had 21 points in 80 games. I don't know why that's so funny, but it is. Uh, anyway, there's right. been some really awful teams. All A lot right. of the I, teams that are at the top of this list don't exist anymore. Kansas okay. City Scouts. Uh, and then Troy Terry's confidence said question for the pod. Should we start being concerned about the forward depth in the prospect pool? And when do we start seeing Pavel full time? Well, you, you seem to think Pavel is next season. Regenda. Oh, I thought you meant Pavel Mentukov. No, he's talking about he's it's Pavel with an O is what he said. Oh, we'll see. I don't have the written. In front yeah, of that, that's so right. Your... Regenda was who he meant. Probably next season. Yeah, I, would, I mean, I would say. I'm not concerned about forward depth because, I mean, you have Zegris on the team. You have yeah. the tab. Like, I, I think that that's you, lost in a lot of this. You have the you have the stuff that's the hardest to get, which is the top-end talent. And then, really, it's just a matter of building around that. So, I mean, there is some concern. I think it's fair to have a little concern because, I mean, no one in San Diego is really seemingly turning a corner. You know, like Jacob Perot feels like he's stalling and starting. Yeah. Braden Tracy, like it's just... So yeah, there isn't this kind of big next wave. But again, like we were just saying, if you have the stars in tow, that's 
look at what the penguins have done for for over a decade right it's it's you have the stars and then you just keep building around them and you have this revolving door now of course yep. the ducks don't have crosby and malkin but it's it's the same kind of mentality yep um uh let's see ducks co mentions in the twitch chat the ducks aren't that far off from that capital team they only have seven regulation wins yeah i mean there's a lot that, more games that, that was played. A, well that was also a tie a season where ties existed but yes man god oh the majority of the ducks wins have come in overtime in a shootout i really just want to see dallas aiken's coach where overtime like an overtime point is not available like how would he coach god what would he if if this was if there was a three two one system the ducks would be clearly the last yeah okay i don't think it would be close all right Moving on to Twitch and YouTube. So for those of you listening to the podcast uh, on your favorite podcast services, you can find us at twitch.tv slash respond or youtube.com slash respond. You can check out our Twitters for one, uh, the time that we're going to go live. We will tweet it out on Mondays, whether it's going to be 7 p.m. or 8 p.m. Uh, if you have Amazon Prime, you get one free Twitch Prime gaming sub each and every month. And it does help out more than you can imagine. I mean, just like Shoegaze, Dragon, Georgie, who resubbed uh for one month they've been subbed for 47 months fat geralt who resubbed for 22 months uh for this is his 22nd month our good friend winterborn gave out two different gifted subs so thank you so much winterborn and firebite subbed with prime i think for the first time so thank you so much and kempafu also subbed uh and this is his 36th month of doing that so thank you so much to all of you for that support and if you're at youtube Please like, subscribe to our channel. Um, it does help out more than you can imagine. We're really trying to push our YouTube channel there, and it helps out a bunch. So if you can do that, that would be great. Um, all right. So let's see. I'm kind of trying to really scroll back. Uh, Ducks Go had mentioned, did you guys already go over Toronto? I don't think Vitrano is getting moved. I don't think no. it's really someone to really talk about too much. Um, so, yeah. So th- that's kind of where that's I mean, at. He, Winter- he might, but I just... I feel like it's it's just much smaller of a chance because yeah. of the term. Winterborn asks, what about bad contracts? Can the Ducks take on any? Man, I don't know what the bad contracts are out there. I don't have yeah. that in my, my Rolodex here. Yeah, so. I don't really know too much. I mean, yes. The short answer to that is yes. They could. Like, they, they are players to do that. It's just, I don't know what the contract would be, but yes, they could. And the Ducks... Like you kind of said, they could be a third-party team to retain salary. Um, the only issue with that, well, it's like true. we kind of said, no, 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 no. You only get three spots. Oh, so, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. So if the Ducks are going to retain on Klingberg, on Henrique, on Kulikov, they cannot do that. They cannot be a third-party for that. Yeah, but, you know, Henrique's probably not getting traded. So Okay. Well, there you go. Uh, and if they do that with Carlson, that really makes it harder, even from that. I really hope that happens just to see your reaction to know. Carlson thing. I don't know. Uh, Dexco <laughs> said, what if teams will want uh, want to pay us for a retention slot at the deadline? Will that affect our own deadline with our own players? I mean, that's kind of what we just talked about. I think yeah. <laughs> it depends. Um, it depends on what the Ducks have in mind. Um If they're only going to use up one or two of those, I think retaining salary as a third party um works out well i think doing that makes sense for this year but you only are you are only allowed three um fat Geralt said question are there any good rfas coming up worth a qualifying offer so i have the list here 
So, and I think you meant more so an offer sheet, not a qualifying offer. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that's what Thatcher Alt meant. Well, yeah. Qualifying offers like baked in. Yeah. But anyway. So I don't think the Ducks can get any of these players, but like, for example, Timo Myers and RFA. Do you think that wherever Timo Meyer goes, he will have an extension in hand? I don't know. There's been actually a decent amount of talk about some teams, maybe like a Carolina. I feel like if it's the Devils, yes. I think the Devils would have a built-in extension. So anyway, I, like I, mean, I think I think Elliot Freeman's mentioned he could see the Hurricanes trading for him, using him at the deadline, then trading him in summer to try to recoup assets. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no way he would extend with with that franchise. So. No. Um, yeah, so Timo Meyer maybe, but I don't fully see that. I mean, Alex DeBrinket, like it doesn't, it's unclear what's happening there with Ottawa. They, they, they don't have any update on where that's going. I don't even know if they've, they've talked about mm-hmm. an extension. They I mean, it's not really super pressing cause he's an RFA, but the issue with an offer sheet is the same thing every year. Yeah. It, it, it's just, first off, they don't happen much in the amount that it takes. Like for instance, what's Timo Meyer's qualifying offer? 10 something yeah yeah so if you're gonna go over his qualifying offer which is what it would take right why would a team not just they're gonna give him a qualifying offer it's gonna be if it's over 10.5 you have to give up four first round picks yeah i mean that that's why to me you you have to make a big swing if you're gonna do these like there's there's no point if you're going like go for the biggest fish and that's why like for example alex debrinket he's 25 he's a guy who can fit the ducks kind of current window I still wouldn't do it because the cost is just so crazy high. And there's, we don't really know how the ducks are going to be in the next couple of years. Although their first round picks are going to become less and less valuable over the next few years. You would, you would imagine. And then there's, there's Jesper Bratt who, I mean, that yes, might be sir, a, Jesper Bratt's the interesting one. That might be a, that might be a viable one because he's at a lower number and he's, he's the youngest of, of this group. He's 24 there's been some talk of him and the Devils not being on the same page. His qualifying offer is 5.45. So there you go. Yes, for Brad. That is the that is the player. Yeah. He will be uh, a duck come nightfall. Okay. There it is. <laughs> um, all right. Now we're going to YouTube. Sean Fight said, this weekend, WWE is in Montreal, home of the Montreal Screwjob. What is the <laughs> biggest screwjob finish in Ducks history? I don't even know what that means, but based on our conversation we just had, I feel like I have a better idea what it means. No, the Montreal Screwjob is like a very historic thing where Bret Hart did not oh, tap out. Oh, so why out. are you ragging on them not having the dude win if, if this is what they're known for? Well, that's also a very different situation where it had to do with Bret Hart was leaving the WWE and they screwed him over in Vince McMahon screwed him over in Canada where Bret Hart okay, is well, from. Let's, and let's, he did let's not the, tap out and he spits on it. It's a whole big thing. What's the Ducks? What's the Ducks version of this? The biggest screw job finish in Ducks history. I'm still not exactly sure what we're talking about, but what is I'm gonna go with it's tough because I think when you think of a screw job finish, you think of like a referee, right? That's what your brain goes to right away. And I can't think of a good one in Ducks history. From a referee like screwing up a game, right? So I'm just gonna go with from the NHL's perspective and the fact that the 15-16 playoffs had Philip, Fors- Philip Forsberg hit Josh Manson with a headshot and all of the injuries and everything like that, and the best Ducks team of that era did not make it out of the first round. 
How about the... Oh, well, I guess one screw job. Did a... Did Gabe Landeskog ever get uh, suspended for basically ending? Uh, what was I think it? he did get Simon Dupre's career. I think he did get suspended for that. But that was kind of a screw job because yeah. Dupre was a big ad for them. He was a great player at the time. Yeah. Um, I don't know if the, if off ice let's go, counts. Let's go. Let's go. NHL fans versus Trevor Zegers. Well, what about 2005 and getting the second overall pick? Yeah, that also. That's, God, that's, picture if they had Sidney Crosby. Man, Sidney Crosby in because we would have we would have gotten one season of Crosby in the Mighty Ducks uniform because oh five oh six would have is was his rookie year and the Ducks were still yep. wearing. Just so, like we got one year of Getzloff and Perry. He's a Penguin though. God, picture if we got Getzloff, Perry, and Crosby all on the same <laughs> team. I mean, that would have that would have changed that, the course of NHL history. That yeah, how many cups would that Ducks team have won? More than. More than what they did, <laughs> they would they would have been like Chicago on steroids. Like they would have gotten at least three. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, <laughs> Brandon Pineda said using Comtois on the fourth line when he needs playmakers or sending Henrique down through waivers. That was God, a screw job. That is actually wild to think about that, that, that Adam Henrique, that Adam Henrique was on waivers. Yeah. Well. Uh, Robert like the, Murray. That is no, it's just like crazy that it's like they could retain him and get a first round pick. And that is a player they put on waivers because well, they, they him. put on waivers. He, and that he. did not get claimed. Yeah. Salary. Granted, I mean, granted, granted there was more term on the deal then. Yeah. Yeah. I think now is he's at his most appealing value. Yeah. 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 And then Curtis said, I forget who was rep- – oh, we should also mention this on Shattenkirk. It was reported by the fourth period, right, that the Ducks were maybe talking about extending him. There were also talks, and it very well could be the case, not disputing what the fourth period is reporting. But the same thing kind of happened with Josh Manson, with Hampus Lindholm. It's very likely they're talking, and that doesn't mean that it's going to happen. I feel like the Ducks just don't want one of their well-liked players' name out there in that way. They want to keep a tight lid on it, so I just wouldn't read into it very much. Yep. Although, Firebites brings up the Ducks could have won five cups with those guys. Uh, we couldn't afford all those players. If that happened, the Ducks. I don't think the Ducks trade for Chris Pronger. I mean, how many other players do you realistically need when you have Perry, well, Geslap, and Crosby in their primes? Do the Ducks win the 05-06 Cup? Like, they made it to the conference final that year. Yeah, with a rookie, with an ELC Crosby who had like hundred something points. ELC that year. Crosby, ELC Getzloff, ELC Perry, Scott I mean, Niedermeyer, Francois Beaujolais. When you put it that way, it seems so ridiculous that at one point Sidney Crosby had to make a league minimum. <laughs> yeah, like I feel like we just spelled out the problem with that system. Anyway. Oh, all right. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, Curtis said, I forget who was reporting it, but one of the insiders mentioned Zaitsev might be an option to Anaheim. Obviously we need Ottawa to retain him and or provide sweeteners thoughts. So I actually looked this up because this was put out there by one of those random aggregators. I think Puck Empire? And it was something like that Hat tip. It, it was, uh, accredited to the fourth period also and oh. Dave Pagnota. And so I looked it up and it was just Pagnota, like essentially trying to find a fit for Zaitsev. Oh, and so it wasn't actually like having information and, and it was run with as, Oh, the ducks are interested in Zaitsev and no. So 
You know what's funny? Maybe they do, and maybe they get a, a pick for it, but I don't know. You know what's funny? We're talking about Crosby, Perry, and Getzlaff. I mean, McTavish, Segris, Bedard, and Bedard, like, yeah. How far off from that? Is that I think it, I think it's higher, isn't it? I mean, I don't think it's Bedard, it's different because because it's three centers, right? And also, I don't think Bedard is a Crosby level. Pro- I mean, I think he's like a just a smidge below Crosby. I mean, he's being compared to McDavid with what he's doing, and McDavid is Crosby level. Yeah, but but I like think you look at the agree, production though, that you that, look at the that, production that Bedard's had, and it's on pace with McDavid. But people agree that Bedard is lower than McDavid. I don't like think Crosby. So. Crosby's draft year had 168 points in 62 games. Like, what's Bedard at? <laughs> like, Crosby was pushing 200 points. There's just no way that that Bedard's close to this. Connor Bedard is, and how in how many games? In 62. Uh, yeah, Connor Connor Bedard is at 105 and 45, 42, and the thing to keep in mind is the leagues have changed over that time, and there's way more competitive players over that time period. Goalies are better, everything along those lines. But he has 105 and 42. Yeah, I mean he's all this to say that like assuming that anyone is going to be Sidney Crosby is just really hard because of how good Crosby was. But again, even if Bedard is just short of that, like you're still getting. A generational talent. So Connor McDavid just oh, there we go. You can actually compare players on the two. Yeah. Uh does it give seasons? Uh yeah, so the age eighteen season or sorry, yeah, age seventeen season. Bedard has one oh five in forty two. McDavid had one twenty and forty seven. Yeah. I think Bedard is just and I mean it's just an eye test thing too. Like I think Bedard is clearly just a smidge lower than McDavid. And, I mean, then we'll McDavid McDavid Crosby is a separate conversation. So Yeah, we'll see. But anyway, he's um, in that, he's in that yeah. galaxy. And yeah. so, so you have him plus Zegras, plus McTavish, plus Terry, and oh boy. Oh. Things could Ducks get interesting. Be, Ducks would be good next year. <laughs> you know, I, I'm scarred. I'm, you know how uh, I, every every game this year, I have people reminding me that I was high hope, on this team. Hope springs eternal is the saying, Felix. <laughs> how uh, are we at an hour and a half? All right, let's I end know. this. Let, let's end this. Whom do you fantasy book Gibson to fight out of the thirty-one other teams? Yeah, how could we? How could we have gone an hour and a half without talking about John Gibson trying to fight Phoenix Copley? He's gonna fight Phoenix Copley in the next. Like that's the final game of the season. How much do you want to bet Gibson just says fuck it? Oh well, he he already did say fuck it, and and uh, didn't work out for him. Yeah, no, I uh, I want to see that happen. Yeah, I, I'm. Everyone knows where I'm at with fighting, and I still just for entertainment's sake would probably want to see that. Yeah. So and Man. last game of the season, end it with that. Go out on a bang. Yeah, I mean, we still have to watch these games somehow. Yeah, there's still played, a lot of they play Tampa tomorrow. Yeah, big game. Yeah, big game. Uh, I'm just I'm gonna, I'm, go I'm ahead. really upset that the Ducks couldn't beat uh, Florida today. God. Yeah. Such a Habs homer. <laughs> All right. I'm going to end this real quick with a food take that you're going to agree with that is going to make Lou crazy. I just I just had a quick thought, actually. Okay. Is Arturi Lekkinen from last year a comp for Henrik? 
No. Because he was an RFA, I think. No. Different ages. Different ages, but... No, I don't think so. He's the only, like, non-rental. Yeah. No, I don't think so. Uh, Here's the take. Dark chocolate's greater than milk chocolate. (sighs) See, I can't get there because I like both. (laughs) No, I I, I like both also. Dark chocolate's better. It's a... It's... It's where I'm at in my life. I've come to this conclusion. Here's the thing with dark chocolate, though. There's there's gradations of dark chocolate. Like, there's 90% cacao, which is completely different than, you know, the 70% than the 60%. So just saying dark chocolate to me isn't even enough because there's there's a wide range of possibilities there as well. I'm going dark chocolate's better. Yeah, I'll push back. I think they're both great. And I think sometimes ties are allowed. Ties are allowed. They're both great. You're a soccer fan. Ties are okay. They are. But dark chocolate is, I'm at the point in my life where I prefer it. I don't need that extra little bit of sweetness. You eat dark chocolate enough and you appreciate that sweetness. I like them both. They both have a seat at my table. I mean, they both have a seat at my table also. Doesn't mean that I can't prefer one. It sounds like you're pushing milk chocolate off the table. I mean, I don't eat it that much. Yeah, I mean, I I will eat the thing with dark chocolate, especially if you get the ninety two percent, which is what I usually get. It's so good. Well, I can just eat it a little more guilt free because it just has less sugar yeah. and it has some health benefits. Whereas yeah. milk chocolate is basically, I mean, it is candy. So, yeah, yeah. less sugar. It, it's just better. It's better for you. It's good for your skin. Okay. There we go. Okay. That was mainly one just for it to make Lou mad. Well, he doesn't like rice. He also doesn't like like anything other than Hershey's chocolate in terms of candy. <laughs> Hershey's chocolate has a place in my heart. But how can you not say that Snickers are good or like candy bars are good? Like, I yeah, that's they're designed for you to enjoy them. Like, yeah. Like they, they, there's like this whole thing about how they, they come up with the perfect like intersection of sweet, savory, salty so that people get absolutely hooked to them. Like, this is a thing. So if you don't like them, you're, I mean, good for you because you're probably going to eat less, you know, unhealthy things. But also, like, some, something might just be wrong with your brain. I mean, it is Lou. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't think there's anything wrong with Lou's brain, for the record. There might be something wrong with his taste buds. That's that's fair. PB and caramel, he's, he's in our chat right now. I, I understand that. Peanut butter and caramel are disgusting. I've come way down from peanut butter over the years. Wow. It's just, it's so bad. What? It's so bad. And then caramel. Oh, what? by the way, it's it's caramel. I, I need to correct myself. I, I I flip back and forth between the two it's, pronunciations. It's not caramel. There, there's well, literally, there's two A's. It's, it's pronounce them, please. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Peanut Tomato, butter. Tomato. Peanut butter. Here's the thing with peanut butter. And we'll wrap up. Uh, it has to be actual peanut butter, like Skippy. You know, whatever their whatever their the ones are called. You know, Skippy, uh, G- GIF, Jif. Is that what it's called? I was saying GIF. It's Jif. It it's Jiffy. Oh, whatever. Wait, no, it's Sk- Skippy and Jif. Jif. Sorry. Yes, yeah, J and J I F. They're not even like if you look at the ingredients, it's barely peanut butter. It's just a bunch of stuff. They have an all natural one that I've had that's good. That's what I'm saying. Like if it's actual, just like if, if as long as the ingredient is just peanuts, I'm, I'm on board. Yeah. But you got to pay premium for that. 
Yeah. I mean, it's Here good. I, I have a Trader Joe's ones that's just peanut butter and uh, peanut butter and salt. That's it. Yeah. Ooh, creamy or crunchy from the natural perspective? Well, from the natural perspective, I feel like it's always the same. It's like a, it's like kind of this weird cross between the two. No, but it's ba- not. But back in the day when I the, ate, the, you na- know, the natural one, you can get creamy or or crunchy. They're very well, different. crunchy. Crunchy is the answer. Oh no, it's creamy. If you don't eat your peanut butter crunchy, <laughs> oh god, that does say something about you. <laughs> what does it say about me? And I will let the uh, I will let the audience decide. The Montreal screw job in effect here. You need to Google the Montreal Screwjob. I don't know what it means. <laughs> and I'm just using it, you know, flippantly. Are you going to spit on me like uh, Brett spit on Vince McMahon? No. Okay. I wouldn't do that. That's gross. Are you, you going to punch me out like Brett pin- punched out Vince McMahon in the back? No. Okay. Cashew butter is better than... I've never had cashew butter. I've had almond butter. I've had a dark chocolate bar that had cashew butter in it, and it was hmm. really good. Hmm. Cashews are pretty... I, I barely eat nuts. Maybe I should get back to my nutty, nutty ways. Peanut butter is good. I used to be a big cashew guy. Yeah, Skippy, Skippy Natural is good. Cashews, almonds walnuts, are solid. Walnuts are good. Walnuts might be the best nut. Walnut, or are they walnut, a legume? I think walnuts are nuts. I mean, I nut think, is I, in the name. I think walnut is a legume. It's in the name. Is a walnut a nut? A nut. <laughs> In botany terms, nuts are strictly a... Prote- this doesn't help me. <laughs> wow. So, although culinarily considered a nut and used as such, it is not a true botanical nut. Got him. So, what is it, though? It's a I'm nut. Not, I'm nut not going to scroll down. Nut is in the name. Nut is in the name. It's a walnut. I think it's a legume. And I don't even actually know what a legume is. I've just heard someone it's say like that. It's like a bean. It's not a nut. Legume is like a bean. Yeah. Well, anyway. Pistachios. Also very solid. Sunflower butter is very good. So walnuts are seeds. It makes sense because they're in a shell. Originally, you have to crack open the shell. I mean, so are peanuts. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm just trying to come up with reasons. So, so are pistachios. Mm. <laughs> no, I think pistachios are seeds. Pistachios come. Oh, okay. Are pistachios seeds? I so mean, pistachio I feel- isn't really a nut at all. Technic- technically, it's a droop, a fleshy oh. tree fruit that contains a shell covered seed. <laughs> fleshy tree f- fruit. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Something I did not expect to hear on this podcast. A droop. <laughs> a droop. Yeah. I'm shocked that there's still 33 people watching this right now. All right, I that, am too. And that number just hasn't like completely it, tanked. It actually went up recently. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we should go out on top. I think... Uh, Talking I, I about droops? Fleshy, I fleshy tree fruit? I think we've, we've... There's so many nut jokes to be made, but I'll, I'll refrain. I, I've been resisting. Yeah, it's, it's a good thing to resist. Just know, just know that we know that those, those jokes were there to be made. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, let's get out of here. Thanks, everybody, for listening. If you want to help us keep this thing going and you want to support the show, there's a few really easy ways to do that. The number one way is to check out our Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash crash the pond. 
and subscribe. For $1 a month, you get access to our patrons-only Discord server. And this time of year, it's the best investment you can make as a Ducks slash hockey fan because you get access to a tight-knit community of diehard fans and you don't need Twitter anymore when you have our Discord. You, The news go in there fast. People are discussing them immediately. It's truly the best. And around trade get, deadline time... You will get turtled if you're late on your link. <laughs> well, there, there might be a grace period for newer people. I don't know. That hasn't been discussed, but I'm, I'm speaking it right now. Anywho, that's for a dollar a month. It's, it's truly a great investment. And you can, you're allowed to stick around after the trade deadline too. Uh, and then for $5 a month, you get access to two bonus Patreon episodes. So this month we'll actually do, or sorry, next month we'll do a full trade deadline breakdown where we talk about every single trade. So it's definitely worth it. As you can tell, we talk about other teams on that, on those episodes. And we also talk about Ducks topics too. So we have everything covered. That's all at patreon.com slash crash the pond. If you don't want to do that though, or if you want to help us out even more, uh, go to Apple Podcasts, search Crash the Pond, leave a five-star rating, leave a review, that goes a long way. Go to Spotify, leave us a five-star rating there. Go to YouTube, search Crash the Pond, subscribe, turn off, turn on notifications, that always helps. And uh, find us on Twitter. Jake is on Twitter at ReindeerGames91. I'm on Twitter, just search Felix Sicard at Felix underscore Sicard. And also check out the Sporting Tribune. Follow our good buddy Derek Lee at, it was it DRockLee27? I think it's technically an I instead of an L. So he did that to try to get the handle. So D-Rock Lee, but an I instead of L. Just search Derek Lee, D-E-R-E-K. Yep. Uh, great follow for your Ducks coverage needs. He actually tweets lines from Morning Skate for home games. So that's <laughs> that's a big <laughs> ad. It's a big luxury. That's a big luxury. And uh, yeah, just check out the Sporting Tribune as well. Uh, follow them. Search Sporting Tribune on Twitter. That will do it for the show. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And... Hopefully in a week's time, we'll have at least one trade to talk about. We'll see. Have a good one, everybody. Bye.